Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Tara Rye. And today we are continuing our series on women of the Bible, fears they might have experienced, and ways God met them with love and grace. And you know, so many today, Tara, feel so incredibly alone. They feel alone. There are those who feel alone in their marriage. There are those who just really feel like they're isolated with C-19, that they really don't have human contact. There are those who are surrounded by a large group of people and yet are unknown by them. So they feel alone. I heard once that loneliness is not so much the act of being alone, but feeling unknown. I I can completely relate to that. I heard this quote once that said that if you hold back 1%, you're not known. The only way to really be known is to fully disclose who you are. And at different times in my life, I've had different situations where I really felt like I was not known by anybody. And one particular time that happened to me was when my husband, he worked for Enron. It's a Fortune 500, was a Fortune 500 company in Houston, Texas. And they collapsed. Well, when the collapse occurred, Greg and I were set in um, our dream home. We were full in our ministry. We had family going to church with us. We were leading out at church and just full in every aspect of our lives. And because of the collapse of Enron, we were just picked up and rooted out of our safe, secure place where we felt known and plopped down in Omaha, Nebraska. And I remember driving around downtown to go to the DMV to get my tags and telling God, God, nobody here knows me. Nobody here cares about me. If I am to die, nobody would come to my funeral. And the people in Houston, they're not going to drive the distance to come. I, I, I feel so alone. And in his compassion, God began to minister to me. And it was a very hard time because on top of being relocated, my husband went into what you would call circumstantial depression. With the collapse of Enron, we lost everything financially that you could possibly imagine that he had built up at that point as a long-term employee and all the things that happened with a relocation and leaving ministries. And Greg was just distant. He was mentally and emotionally disconnected. And I felt so alone. And I began to cry out to God and ask God for help. And as I did, he started asking me questions. And God uses questions because it reveals in me what he wants from me. And he would ask me things like, you know, if Greg is going to stay this way and never change, will you still love him? I'm like, yes, Lord. If Greg never meets your need, are you going to come to me? And I'm like, yes, Lord. And as God was asking the questions, I realized that it was through him that I needed to seek the compassion I needed. And he's the one that knows me and that that's where I will get my hope. 
I love that. Two things. First of all, I love that you went to God in your pain. Because I, I like to talk about feeling with Jesus. Because then he helps us feel with truth. And really, he knows how to meet our needs, right? And that didn't take away the pain you felt, I imagine. No, it didn't. Not at all. But, but you were just no longer alone in your pain. I felt comforted. And uh, even in the questions of God asking me the questions, I felt seen and I felt heard. And and I think that when we don't feel known, that's the key is that I have a need to be seen and heard, that I need to know that I have a place where my voice matters and my person matters. You know, and I think I love that you said that because in our pain, I think that's what we really need a lot of times is just to know that somebody knows our pain and cares. And as you were talking, I was thinking about a woman from scripture. Her name is Hagar. And we can read about her in Genesis chapter 16. But scholars believe her story, biblical story, might have actually started in Genesis 12. So I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory. And I do want to say, because there are passages in the Old Testament, there are sections of scripture that can feel really confusing because we don't understand the culture. We don't understand the times. And we need to understand that the historical accounts of scripture are not prescriptive, like they're not what God is saying, like this is what you should do, they're history. And so the Bible does not sugarcoat history. It demonstrates that the whole of scripture is showing really man apart from Jesus in need of Jesus. So if we see man acting sinful, it's just verification that we need Christ. And so in this account, we see humans acting sinful, and we see that it caused pain to others. But then we also see how God met this woman in in her pain. So basically, Abram and Sarai, they were given this promise. They were going to have a child. It was going to basically lead to Christ is kind of the, the prophecy, how it goes. And they spent time in Egypt. And scholars believe that as they were leaving Egypt, the Pharaoh gave Abram a lot of gifts, cattle, wealth, and maidservants and manservants. And they believe that Hagar was probably one of those maidservants. Well, fast forward, and they remain barren. They're not having this promised child that God had said they were going to have. And so Sarai, she decides, okay, I'm going to act. And she makes a decision. She tells her husband, I want you to sleep with my maidservant and have a child by her. Now that was custom at the time, not God's will, but it was custom that it, that women could have surrogate children basically for their mistress. Well, anyway, Hagar, she does get pregnant. Things become very tense in the home, as you can imagine. And it became so tense that she ran away. So here she is pregnant in the wilderness. And I just have to think too, Tara, you have to be in a very desperate, painful state to put yourself in such a place of need Hmm. because there wasn't welfare. There wasn't McDonald's. There wasn't food stamps or food or shelters. And here she is in the wilderness pregnant and probably feeling like not only has she been ripped from her homeland, ripped from everything she's familiar, language, food, customs, And she's with these people. She's at their mercy. I don't know if you can feel more alone at that point. I don't know that you can either. Let's see what happens, though, in that moment of feeling completely alone and desolate in the desert. What happens in the Bible in Genesis? We are told in chapter 16, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. 
It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For I now have seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Ber Lahai Roy and is still there between Kadesh and Bered. May God honor the telling of his word. And, you know, I wonder what it felt like in that moment to recognize no matter. I don't know if she recognized this, but what I feel like the statement God was making, right? I am the God who sees you when you are alone in your room and you're crying. I am the God who sees you when you're alone in a new city and you're hurting. I am the God who sees you when you're fighting depression and anxiety. I see you. I know you. I love you. And again, we see God being an initiator. We talked about that in our last episode about how God initiates. In our last episode, it was reconciliation. In this episode, he's initiating relationship. He is initiating a relationship, but he's also initiating a relationship that is asking her to make a commitment in a place where she doesn't feel heard or known. It's not an easy place for her to be. You think about it. Ten years she has lived with them. Ten years she has been a maidservant. For ten years she has been actually in the safety and security of Sarai's care. And now as a young woman, she's been handed over to a man that is very old and has become pregnant with a child. She could not be further from her culture, her food, all the things that would bring comfort. And God is saying, I want you to go back. I want you to submit. I want you to be committed because I have something coming that you can't see that I can see. And so he's revealing to her how he can see beyond what she is able to see. And I know that in the times that I have not felt known and I have not felt seen or heard, It's me in the moment thinking about me in the moment and not having a big picture view of what God is actually orchestrating, what he wants to change in me and why and who he needs me to be with so that his purposes can be fulfilled. And so that in our struggle of being alone, if I have the desire to know what God wants to accomplish, then I actually can join him where he's at work. That's beautiful. And I would encourage listeners to go back to the very first episode of this series, episode one, where we talk about finding courage by knowing who God is, what he's done and what he's promised. And so what you were just talking about is, you know, believing, trusting that God has something good ahead And so the more we know God's nature, his character, that he's loving and faithful and kind, the easier it is to take those steps of obedience. Whether we know, for me, he's never given like the roadmap, 
what's ahead. He's just like, I want you to do this thing, but I have, we've built enough history together that I now know while obedience feels hard in the moment, he is with me and he always has good in mind. He does. And I love the fact that Hagar immediately goes to the soul talk of telling herself what she has seen about the character of God and how the character of God has treated her. And so she said, I have seen the God who sees me. And she begins to tell herself what he has done. And so in my moments when I feel alone and afraid, I actually will practice in my mind, my soul talk of reminding myself what I know about the character of God and who he is and what I have seen him do in my life already. And I also use scripture and read scripture and will remind myself, well, God saw Hagar. If God sees Hagar, he'll see Tara. Amen. I would encourage listeners as well. Holy Love Ministries has a Bible study. It's Becoming His Princess, and it has a video series as well that you can access for free on YouTube, and you can download the study, the e-version for free from our website as well. But it goes into more depth of Hagar's story and really the God who sees, the God who loves, the God who redeems, who, who restores. And I just love the more we come to know him. And the more we come to him, to him in our pain, then the more we find comfort in those moments. But even when we are not able, I think this is what just kind of hit me just now, when we're not able to come to him in our pain, because maybe our depression is too great and we can't go to church. We just, we're not getting out of bed or we're not, or maybe our grief is too great that we can't even think a cohesive thought. God comes to us. I love that. I love that she's in the desert and and he is speaking to her. Beautiful. Well, thank you for listening. I hope our conversation just deepened your understanding of who God is, the God who sees. And I hope it encouraged you to turn to him in your pain and in your loneliness. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it on social media. We would be super encouraged if you would rate it as well. That helps others to find it. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.